Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today on episode 80, it is just Steph and I. Every fifth episode, it's Steph and me sharing our own personal stories. You guys are about to hear us have a conversation with two of our closest friends, Adam Bennett and Joe Muck. And Joe had a couple of fantastic stories to share. Plus, we have even more stories, Steph, of how loud you are at our daughter's T-ball games. What? And I tell the story about that time back in college when I applied to work at Red Lobster. But unfortunately, I didn't get the job because I failed their personality <laughs> the test. The personality I wish test. I was waking this up. I wish I was there at that moment to hear the conversation you didn't get. I, <laughs> the job. I actually failed their personality test. <laughs> Can't wait for you guys to hear these amazing stories. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph, welcome to episode 80. 80. I don't know about you. I am ready to laugh tonight. Okay, here's the deal, guys. We have guests, and my husband is so happy because his dream has finally occurred. And what is that dream? His dream of having his buddies be his co-anchors on this show. That's exciting. Thankfully, you have let me be a part of this episode, but his boys are here, people. They are. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Adam Bennett and Joe Muck. Yes, boys. My name's Joe Muck. I'm here with my co-host, Adam Bennett. <laughs> Good to be here. Starting <laughs> <laughs> off well, stuff. <laughs> and this has been so fun already because we are testing new equipment. And Joe and Adam have both sided with me that Kevin's microphone is so loud compared to ours. And we're all three like, turn your microphone down. Nope, nope. I think it's just your, let me turn your guys' your headphones, headphones your down. Headphones. And we're all three like, Kevin, you're I'm still gonna, really I'm going to confirm loud. that, Stephanie. <laughs> Thank That's you. absolutely true. Well, guys, Adam here is a good friend of mine from college when we both attended the Ohio Northern University together. Harvard of the Midwest. That is exactly right. Harvard of the Midwest. And then Joe here is my ex-brother-in-law. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to dig on that a little more later. (laughs) Which is how we introduced each other for like 10 years probably. (laughs) So I'm saying this for a reason, right? One, I think it's funny that I used to introduce you as my ex-brother-in-law because for a decade or so, whenever I introduced you to somebody, it was always, hey, this is my brother-in-law, Joe. Well, then when that changed, I didn't know what to say, right? So I remember saying- You couldn't say like, this is my buddy. Yeah. Well, I should have. This is my friend. I should have. Friend and ex-brother-in-law, <laughs> legally speaking, are the same status. <laughs> There's nothing. You're not going to inherit from Joe. <laughs> So for some reason, I would say ex-brother-in-law. And I remember Joe pulled me aside one time. I was like, listen, just say, this is my friend, 
Joe, like, stop with the ex-brother law. You're making this awkward. Can you please stop? So we actually had that discussion because... Well, there's only one way that goes. Like, after you say that, whoever you've just been introduced to then obviously wants to know, like... What happened? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're not getting, like, out of that story. Hey, this is my ex-brother-in-law. Okay, no big deal. Uh No, no, then you have to tell the whole story. (laughs) Right. You're talking about me being loud. Let me tell you guys about my wife being, what we would say, naturally loud. Gregarious. You and your sister. So, again, if you guys don't know, we are the coaches of our daughter. L's t-ball team so it's kevin myself my sister her husband and my dad you have five coaches of this five team? coaches here's, for t-ball okay, here's it what's interesting awesome it was me my brother-in-law and your dad yeah game one steph and her sister show up and they all they automatically just go to first and third base like they're I'm like okay coaches that's fine you, you can coach first and third you're yep. good well now they've got jerseys and hats <laughs> that match and now we do have five now and they're all on the field the they don't staff. they don't you literally don't leave the field now you don't. don't leave the field once you show up. You're first and third base, and then you stay on the field and like help the kids. I'm like, who appointed these ladies coaches? Yeah, everyone goes to the dugout. Katie and I are like, we're just gonna stay you out stay here. Out there. So you got demoted to bullpen catcher. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, who you literally self-appointed yourself coaches? And they love us. Who's they? People, <laughs> I'm sure. She sends them. She doesn't hold them at third. They score from first on that Keep double going. every time. Keep going. Score. I got money on this. So, That's right. So my dad shows up, and he's a few minutes late. He said he gets out of the car and doesn't know where he's going. But as soon as he opens the car door, he hears my wife and her sister yelling for somebody to run. And he immediately just, okay, just got to follow the voice, like 100 <laughs> yards away. Yep. Then last week. And guess what? What? The kids already always know where to run because they hear us. Because uh, they hear you, yes. Yep. A lot of coaches use hand signals at first and third base. We do that too. Okay, all right. I can confirm Stephanie's loudest. And the, the, the first time I heard it was in Kevin's mom's backyard when we played wiffle ball. She's <laughs> <laughs> yelling. And I think we decided like the adults had to bat left-handed because we were playing with yes. all the little kids. And I can't do anything left-handed. And every time I swung the bat, <laughs> Stephanie did that right there. That's so funny. <laughs> so loudly. I'm sure the entire neighborhood knew that she was making fun of me. It, <laughs> it was, was awesome. <laughs> That's true, because you would swing like a foot over the ball oh, every time. Yeah, and terrible. you'd swing so hard. <laughs> like you pre- well, I was trying. Much, yeah, you know, I'm very competitive. I was like, yeah. man, Joe's going to have to go to the chiropractor tomorrow. <laughs> swing for contact in that <laughs> situation. I was trying to hit dingers. swing. It was yeah. so and awkward. You would, and you hear that whiff every time, but he's like a foot away from the wiffle ball. A little more Tony Gwynn, a little less Mark McGuire. Then last week. The other team, the Marlins, stops me and says, hey, good game. I love the, all the coaches you have out there on the field and stuff. He's like, we've never seen a team like this before. And he's like, and how loud some of your coaches are. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I think I know who you're talking about. And uh, I will take he, that as a compliment. He did not confirm nor deny who it was. So we don't know which. It was probably my dad. It was probably Oh, I'm sure dad. it was. Yeah, let's blame your dad the on this one. Yeah, the, the scorekeeper. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's blame that guy. The 73-year-old. <laughs> so with you guys being here, I want to share some fun stories we've had with you guys. The first one, Adam, you texted me. You wanted me to share the story of Red Lobster when we were college, right? Yeah. Yes. So in college, this is our senior year. Yeah, it had been our senior so. year at High Northern. And this would have been... 
the winner of our senior year. And at this moment, I was on cloud nine because I had just accepted an offer to one of the big four accounting firms, but I wasn't going to start till the following September. And at that point, I was running out of money. So I had to work multiple jobs to get through that final couple quarters. So I was like, okay, I need to go to Lyme. I need to find something. What is a What would be a good job for me to have? Make some good money. I could do it at nights, weekends. I thought, okay, why don't, why don't I be a waiter? Why don't I be a server? Well, there's not a whole lot of restaurants, I guess, in Lima that you could probably make good money at. So the first one on that strip, whatever highway that is, is Red Lobster. So I call. They're like, okay, we're hiring. You need to come in Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And we are going to have all these new hires come through, ask you questions. We'll give you a test, all of that. I'm like, okay, great. So I show up. And again, I'm thinking this is not going to be an issue. I've just gone through a litany of interviews to get this first professional job out of college, right? And so I'm very, very confident, not going to be an issue. So I show up. Confident, overconfident. Well, it turned out to be overconfident. Okay. Absolutely. So I go in there and they inform me, I've got to take a personality exam. I'm like, okay, sure. Let's let's do this. I never done that before. I didn't know what it was going to entail. But on the test, it was if your person gave you the wrong amount of money at the table, would you notify them? Yes, absolutely. If your manager had an issue, how would you handle it? And so I, I went through like all this stuff, how I would handle it. No, I wouldn't tell a lie. No, I would give their change back. Ask, you know, <laughs> when the last time I had alcohol or drugs. And of course, Never. I was clean as a whistle, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm drunk right now. <laughs> So I said, you know, I've never had alcohol or whatever. Okay. So I, I turned this in. It was probably 15 questions. They come back 10 minutes later and they're like, okay, uh, I'm going to name off these people. I need to, you to follow me to the front door. Kevin Mason. I'm like, here we go. Here I am. Right. And so this is a good thing, I, right? So I got there and, and the manager's like, just want to let you know, we really appreciate you coming in today, but we really feel like you are not Red Lobster material. And, uh, <laughs> You know, if you ever want to apply again, wait 30 days and we'll, we'll let you come back and apply again. I'm like, did I fail the personality test? And he's like, well, I'm not saying it's, uh, there's a pass fail on this. I go, but you're telling me it's a personality test, right? He's like, yeah, I got to tell you. Yeah, we, we don't believe the answers that, that you gave us. So we really don't think you're Red Lobster material right now. And so walk me out the door and I'm like, are you kidding me? You failed the Red I Lobster failed. personality yes. test. I actually, I failed the personality test. Put that in context of today's <laughs> job market, where if you walked into Red Lobster and admitted, I will steal from you, <laughs> they'd still hire you now. I You're mean, in. think about it. They're That's so true. desperate for employees. Can you, can you imagine... They won't even do a personality test like that anymore. Oh, I can't right, imagine. Right. Like, you're willing right. to show up here and not assault customers <laughs> regularly? Yeah, okay. So then, went across the street to Texas Roadhouse. They didn't have any personality tests for me to take, Ooh, which was nice. Close call. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I came back and you know, told my buddies that I had failed a personality test at Red Lobster, and they turned me down, and they were just, like, mind blown. What's funny is you failed a personality test, not for NSA work or <laughs> right. somewhere exactly. where personality tests would either be, not even be relevant. It's like, listen, you don't have the temperament to be a bouncer here. You know, it's like, you can't, you can't, you can't serve shrimp scampi. <laughs> then, then the idea that you don't admit to stealing enough for us to hire you. Listen, our culture is all about stealing. You're not, you're not red lobster material. Our roles are beyond you. <laughs> so, yeah, thankfully, there was another restaurant down the road 
That would hire me. Like, you should have slipped in one lying. One massive right? personality yeah. quirk to just to just even it out. I don't drink. You should have. I don't steal. Yeah, too good I don't to be lie. True. Yep. I sniff glue. That's it. <laughs> I might be honest with you. That's what I do. Other than that, I'm good. I'm really I'm clean. <laughs> Other than that. All right, Steph. I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. So what's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good was. book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> oh, what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. So let's go to Joe. Can you share the story of the accent you had on stilts? This was actually when I was still in high school and you had just married my sister back in the day. Can you please share that story? Right. And I'll chime in with my experience at, at, at the end. So my ex-brother-in-law, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, all through college, I, I worked in the summer, I worked drywall and with a good buddy of mine named Wes. And he taught me how to sand drywall, get up on this drywall stilts. On the stilts, you're what, two foot, probably? Yeah, I mean, they're adjustable, but yeah, typically around two feet. Okay. I could go up and down stairs on the stilts and was very comfortable on them. So we went out right after 4th of July weekend to sand drywall this huge house out in Lithopolis. And we go in and it has this huge vaulted ceiling in the front room that is going to have to be, a lot of that's going to have to be sanded off of scaffolding. Okay. So super slow. Get up, sand yep. this level, sand that level, get down, move the scaffolding. It. Neither of us really wanted to do that. So we sort of made a bet like, okay, you sand all the lowers downstairs and do the scaffolding. I'll do all the uppers, plus I'll sand the entire upstairs. Okay. Both parts. So as I finished upstairs, I came out into the entryway and he wasn't done. So I'm giving him the business, right. you know, like rubbing it in. And I go to get off the stilts. When you get off the stilts, you have two straps on your shoes, boots, and then you have a bigger strap that goes around your calf. So typically what you do is take off the smaller straps on your boots, take off the bigger strap around your calves. You just grab the outside of them and you just hop down. Okay. Like you said, you're not that far off the ground. It's a couple feet. Right. So I went to do that. And the next memory I had was a couple days later, <gasps> um, woke up in the hospital had no idea how I had gotten there. I didn't know where I was at. I mean, I didn't know what city I was in. Nothing. I had literally, I had zero memory of anything. But as it turns out, the strap on my right calf, I had not taken it all the way out, apparently. So when I jumped down, it got caught yeah. and it made me tumble. And so I fell from the second story down into the first floor. <gasps> yeah, it wasn't good. Hit my head pretty good. The stilt stayed kind of around my leg and it smashed all the way like into the bone oh. on my leg. I still have a nice scar from that. But the, sort of the funny thing, it doesn't sound funny, but the funny thing was like, if you've ever seen the movie 50 first dates, uh -huh. it was like that. My memory 
except it wasn't every day. It was like every single time I like woke up. So they call my dad, of course. He got up there as they were like wheeling me in to stitch up my leg and take some x-rays and everything. And of course, I don't remember this, but my, I remember my dad telling me later on, he's like, you know, we're going down the hallway. These two guys are like pushing you on the, on the, the cart, whatever, the gurney. gurney. Yeah. And he goes, you, all of a sudden you just like sit up straight out of nowhere. You look down, you see your leg, which is like flayed open basically. Oh. And just starts screaming like, oh my gosh, my leg. <laughs> And I'm freaking out, but I'm only awake or conscious for like five seconds. And then I pass out again. And then like 30 seconds goes by. You wake up again. I shoot up. Yeah. Again. And I'm like, I see my leg and I have zero memory of seeing my leg. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, my leg. And he's like, by the, he's like, by the time they got you to like, will you like into the room, like the operating room? He's like, they were trying like crazy not to laugh because... I had done it like seven or eight times or whatever. I guarantee you that's more than anyone ever laughed at the movie Fifty First Days. <laughs> the movie was horrible. Oh um, my gosh. So this kept happening. So, you know, I'm so I'm laying in the hospital bed and people would come in to visit, you know, to check on me. Cause it was a I mean, it was a serious thing. So a lot of friends came in, high school friends, college friends, whatever. And I remember Kevin came in and I wake up sort of do you remember this part or is this from no I, st- I don't remember any of this still it's okay. all like through stories okay yeah other people telling me and i'm totally like maxed out on pain meds okay so i'm an idiot either Lola way land. yeah so i kind of wake up ish i see kevin hey kevin how long have you been here he's like you know and he looks all depressed like he's worried about me and everything oh you know i've been here for about five minutes or whatever and i'm like man if you want anything to eat just let me know. They have the best sandwiches in this place. All I have to do is hit this button and they're like, they'll bring me food. Like it was some special service or something. And then bam, I pass out. Right. Jim and then I'm at his, his own personal butler yeah. in, in emergency. Is that the morphine button? <laughs> is that the morphine? Oh, if I had one, I was all over it apparently. But uh, yeah, my brain was so scrambled. And then like a minute later, I wake up. Hey, Kevin, how long have you been here? And then, you know, Kevin says the same thing. We have the same conversation. And that happened over and over and over again with like everybody that came in there. One of the craziest things is when I sort of finally woke up, like truly woke up and started actually having some sort of conscious thoughts. Kevin's sister and her mom were both in the room and they could kind of tell like, okay, this seems different. And so they go get the nurse, go get the nurse. He seems like he's kind of like come out of it. Nurse comes in. I'm totally not out of it, by the way. (laughs) Nurse comes in and they're she's re- like, they're really good at reading people. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> like he's normal. We're good. Never, never been normal. <laughs> so the uh, nurse comes in. She's like, okay, I got to ask you a few like real serious questions to, you know, see what's going on. I'm clueless. And she goes, do you know where you're at? And I'm like, Mount Carmel East hospital. <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh, that's good. You know, that was correct. She, she's scribbling on her notepad. Do you know what day it is? And I'm like, July 6th oh my gosh, that's the, that's the right date. And it's like, that's it. Like she's floored, runs out to get the doctor. And then Julie and her mom are looking at it like, come on. No, what the heck? Like, how does he know that? And so they asked me, like, I can't even remember what they asked me. They asked me some other follow-up question that I had no clue on. Like it could have been like, what's your middle name? (laughs) And I didn't know. And they're like, how did you know where you're at? And I'm like, well, she has a badge. (laughs) And it says Mount Carmel East Hospital. 
And they're like, well, how did you know what day it was? And I'm like, well, there's a tear off calendar. <laughs> you know, like 10 feet away on the wall. And I was just being observant. You're like, you know, I was almost an invalid, but I was still. <laughs> Ask me what time it is. Observant. This hospital has been discharging raving derelicts and dementia victims into the streets for years because they didn't realize how those questions were being answered. They needed to revamp the questions. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So they go get the nurse. She comes back in. And I'll never forget this. They explained to her, like, listen, no, he's he's out of it. He's a vegetable. He's half, <laughs> he's half gone. All right. So there's no way. They told the nurse, we got to start somewhere else. And she goes, do you remember what you did 4th of July weekend, which was a couple days before that? I had no clue if we had plans, if we hung out with friends, nothing. And then literally had only been married to Julie for a month, just yep. a bit over a month. And they're like, do you remember your wedding? And I'm like, no. And I, I mean, I did not. I had no idea that I had actually gotten married. Zero. And of course, Julie <laughs> loses it. Loses her. She is bawling and Hysterical. wailing. Yes, like crazy. And I'm just kind of like, who is this chick? <laughs> like, I knew who she was. I knew we were engaged. Oh, okay. I didn't know how far so back did it know went. know who she was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I knew. You knew who they were in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so knows. then they start backtracking more. Like, do you remember what classes you took this spring at college? I couldn't name a single class. And I think it ended up like my very first memory that I actually remembered was all the way back to like Christmas time. Really? Yeah. It was like six months of lost thoughts. Oh my gosh. But yeah. Oh, we totally could have been like, man, your four kids are really concerned about you right now, Joe. (laughs) Oh, it was, uh, that was quite a wild experience for sure. So I remember everybody being hysterical and me getting to the hospital and me going in, was it the IC or was it the emergency room? What would it, what would that have been? No, I was in the emergency room. Okay. Emergency room. And me going back there. And of course I was concerned and then Joe wakes up and he is just as funny as can be. Ask me if I want some food. He's like, seriously, I, I'll just push this button. They'll come right come right now and get you sub or something. <laughs> and then the funny part was you remembered me, no issues, but you didn't remember that you were getting married. married. Yeah, <laughs> getting married. And so that made it even worse, right? Right. And so I remember just crying, laughing because how funny you were. And you're like asking me if I, if I wanted some of the stuff, like, I don't know if you had like oxygen mask on or, or anything, but uh, I, I, remember remember. I remember being like, Hey, you want some of this? This is like really good stuff. Like <laughs> offer me this mask. <laughs> and then you want some ask, of these drugs. Yeah, I think I asked, asked you if you wanted pain meds yes. actually. And then ask me if you, if I could turn up the dial or something on, uh, on your IV as well, like man. get you some more stuff. Yeah, and then was... again, then you would pass out and then it'd be three minutes later. You'd come back. Hey, how long have you been here? And it, I get, I just start crying laughing. So I remember going out in the waiting room and everyone is so concerned. And I'm like, listen, he's, he's fine. He's going to be fine. He's just in la la land right now from the medication. But it was just, it was so stinking funny of just your memory loss. Yeah. And, and how long did it take for that, all that to come back? He still hasn't clocked out. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> go, go pick up that card. <laughs> did the memory of the wedding ever come back? Yeah. So what's weird with all that stuff is like everything during that period of time, I still don't know if I actually remember it or if I remember it through going back and revisiting like pictures, videos, stories. Okay. I don't really know if it's reality versus, you know, Photoshopped. Yes. It's so it's it's really, really cool. That's typical for most people's memories about. That's true too. Yeah. That's a good point. But going back to your wedding. When you were leaving, I remember... I'm so glad we're talking about the wedding, by the way. Yes. Can I just throw that in there? (laughs) 
this happened what 23 years ago uh, 96 he lost the memory again <laughs> since then. he wants to lose the memory 25 years ago so i remember there being a line out the door two lines of people greeting you to go to your car to take off and someone had a brilliant idea hey let's hand out birdseed to everybody like i guess you normally did back then it had become a trend like you throw that instead of rice rice, rice. Yeah, you okay. throw rice. Right. Yeah. wait was it birdseed or was it you used to throw birdseed it was birdseed yeah. it was birdseed right mm-hmm. okay so they gave me this packet of birdseed and some of joe's friends who i knew at the time were directly across from me in the other line why well, i had this brilliant idea i'm going to fire off this this birdseed across to them when joe and my sister walk through the row. So they're going through and I'm throwing fastballs. Well, when Joe got home from the honeymoon, he's like, man, that bird seed was a terrible idea. I had it in my coat, in my hair, in my shirt. He's like, it hurt too. It hurt really bad when you get hit with this bird seed. And I remember like, oh man, that's interesting. How about that, right? <laughs> it's I didn't speak up. Like, yeah, I was throwing <laughs> Nolan Ryan fastballs out there uh, across the other row. Related story, Joe. I'm getting Tommy John surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so you get your wedding photos back and there's a picture of me stepping into the throw <laughs> And I'm releasing this bird scene in my hand, and it is, I mean, I'm guilty as can be, literally red-handed. You never know when a scout's going to be in the audience. Oh my gosh, I'm completely guilty. Let's get back to Adam. Adam doesn't really like people. Is that is that kind of right? I give off that vibe, but I, I think I do. Okay. At times. At times. Doesn't like stupid people. No, that's there a good point. You go. That's a good point. That's a good way to say it. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. We're all like, yeah, that's that it. Is very he true. Can't, he can't hide a smile right <laughs> now. Some of it's the environment. Everything coming from Amazon changed my life because dealing with people in retail environments, that's difficult for me, I'll be honest. I remember we were at dinner. It was you and Cody and Kevin and I, and you're like, Kevin, I just discovered the best invention ever. And Kevin's like, what? And you're like, Amazon Prime. And it just had come out. And you're like, Kevin, I don't have to leave my house now. It's amazing. And you're like, have you got it yet? I'm like, no, we haven't signed up yet for the annual membership. And you're like, I don't know if we can be friends anymore (laughs) because it it has changed my life. It, it was, it was tough for me. I, I have trouble coping with crowded parking lots and people when they get like in a retail environment. Yeah. They just see your attitude toward retail is my attitude toward customer service. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot stand calling customer service. Drives me bonkers. I'm never on the phone less than an hour. It seems like I do the chat. Oh, the, the um, instant messaging. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. But Joe, can you please tell the story of Adam when we had like a housewarming party a few years ago and to set the stage. Steph and I bought a short sale house. Mm-hmm. We cutted Got a it. lot of it, renovated it for over six months. We moved into the basement while we had the first and second floor completely remodeled, renovated. Not a not a fun situation. Not something I would do again, especially with kids. Well, now with three kids. Oh now. my gosh. But we just had Emmy and she was 11 months old at the mm-hmm. time when we moved in. But we had a nice housewarming party, had people over to show them the before pictures and now here's the after and joe can you please share the story of what happened that party that night so <laughs> i didn't know adam very well at all at, at, at this that point time i didn't know his personality or that anything like people it might have been it might have been one of the very first times we actually ever met and like you said you guys had done a ton of work on this house it was a really really big thing and of course you're very proud of it it was an amazing place and wanted to show it off and so everybody that kind of came in it was like hey let's show you around see the upstairs go out and see the deck and the pool and on and on and on and then adam gets there 
and you asked him like, hey, let me give you the tour of the house. And he's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and I died because one of my favorite shows ever, it's called Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's a Larry David show who was the one of the producers and writers of Seinfeld. And there's an episode in his show that is that exact same scenario. Premise. Really? Yes. He goes over to his friend's house. They just bought a new house. They walk in and Larry David's like, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> and totally offends the, the, uh, the hosts. And, uh, he has no problem with it, which I know Adam didn't either. <laughs> I thought I was saving you work. <laughs> it was amazing. There must've been something on TV. Give me an out here. I remember when we were moving and granted moving is like the worst thing ever. I, I only want to do it maybe one time again in the rest of my life. Yeah. Oh, I hate moving. But I remember Adam helped us move into that house and it got to a certain time. And again, I'm not offended. I thought it was hysterically funny, but it got to, we'll say three o'clock in the afternoon. And Adam's like, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm leaving. <laughs> He's like, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. So <laughs> I couldn't take it off anymore. Because you're, like, you're literally like, I don't have any excuse. I'm just, I'm tired and I don't want to be here anymore. I realize <laughs> just, once you engage in white collar work, you don't notice how far behind you <laughs> slip on blue collar work until you're confronted with it. I mean, because you don't do that often. If you're a white collar so, job and you're like, oh, you know, I used to be able to carry this. I'm probably down about 3%. No, it's 3% a year. <laughs> and then eight years go by and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I guess I can't carry an ice cube tray anymore. <laughs> I got it dawned on me probably around three o'clock that day. I, just, yeah, I'm out wow, of here. I can't do it. You're like, I'm not even. I'm not even going to try to make up an excuse. I'm just. I just don't want to be here anymore. I'm tired. Like, well, I appreciate your honesty. Thank yep. you for helping. Mm-hmm. That's so, great. So then we were going to Penn State game, and Steph, you remember how I woke up, back spasms, could hardly get out of bed, could hardly get in the car. You put my shoes on. You were kind enough to drive me to the chiropractor because I was in rough shape that day. Well, I had these guys coming over to the house. We were going to drive to Happy Valley, I guess. And that was going to be like a six-hour drive, I think. Well, let's let's put this into context. When you have spasms, like you're not fun to be around. You don't handle things very well. It's like the world is coming to an end. You don't handle it well. Babe, oh, babe, babe. Babe, it's like you're going into labor, but you're not. You just have a back spasm. I'm like, you have a back spasm. And you're like, no, babe, it's worse than just a back spasm. I'm like, it's probably just a back spasm. But and you're like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to go to Penn State. I'm like, oh, dear God, you've got to go to Penn State, Kevin. Like, we have got to do everything we can to get Here, you out the door. Here's what's always surprises me. He carried a lot of ice cube trays that yes. day. <laughs> Muscle relaxers. <laughs> With you being a nurse... Register mm-hmm. nurse. Mm-hmm. The amount of sympathy that, that you have for me as a patient is zero. Yeah. Zero sympathy at all Here's for your the husband. Thing. Here's the thing. I've gone through electrocution, brain tumor, three kids, and a miscarriage. I'm just like, I understand pain, and I've still... You're going to throw that out at me. I really... You're going to throw that in my face. <laughs> Showstopper. <laughs> and you're like, but I have a back spasm. <laughs> But I have a back spasm, so I need sympathy. I'm like, really? But do you? Do you need sympathy right now? No. You need to get to Penn State because I'm not taking care of you either. Because I love you, but pain is not... You just don't handle it very well. Okay. Why are we making this story about me? Because it's always about you. About Adam. It's, no. It is about Adam. Oh, it is. But That's why I, mean, I cut out of three. I didn't want back spasms. <laughs> I knew what my wife would do. Bump up the insurance and start rehearsing her 911 call. <laughs> oh, 
So, so we get home. Yes. Well, we go to the chiropractor. Yes. But we get home from okay. the chiropractor yes. and yes. he gave me treatment. He mm-hmm. gave me muscle relaxers. I went to Kroger and got you, pa- you All know, kinds these of patches. I'm like, we are doing everything we can to get, get you me to, to Penn, Penn State. State. Yes. So Joe's the first one to the house and because we're going to carpool. And I told him like, listen, I do not know. If I'm gonna be able to make this trip, there's no way I'm gonna be able to walk all over Penn State. Being sit in a car for six hours, there's there's no way if if I'm feeling the way I am right now. And Joe did have sympathy for me, like a good friend would. <laughs> he did. He was. He a was great very friend. kind. He was and so, very concerned. Joe was so concerned. He was like, "Oh, Kevin, are you being serious? Like this isn't a joke." Like he kept saying, "This isn't a joke," and Kevin's like, "No, man." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's how I, I felt. Tell, you like, were really hurting. I, I, was, thank I you. could tell. I'm it was not very kidding. serious. He was Stephanie, hurting. Stephanie, I'm pretty sure, said, rub some dirt in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get over it. Zero He'll be fine. He's going to be fine now. Just but, get him in the car. But literally, Joe was so concerned. He was very concerned. He was, he was a like, great friend. I don't think we're going to go without Kevin. I'm like, yeah. no, yes, you can. You can go without me. And you're like, I, I don't think we can. Well, then Adam's the next to show up. Uh-huh. Adam gets here. And I remember, again, I'm in the kitchen. And Joe's like, Adam, I'm not BSing you right now. This is real. Kevin is hurting really bad. I don't know if he's going to be able to go on the trip. And Adam's response was, well, that's fine by me. But if he can't go on the trip, then I'm going to be sleeping on the couch here for this weekend. <laughs> and I remember Joe's like, what do you mean you're going to sleep on the couch? And Adam's response was, I told my family I'm going to be gone for the weekend. <laughs> so that means I'm going to be gone for the weekend. If I have to sleep in the basement and watch this game on their TV... <laughs> That's what's going to happen here. And Steph's like, you really you need to get out of your valley. You got to go. Get him out. Put him in the trunk. I don't care. He's going to snap out of this. Just keep fi- feeding him these muscle relaxers. He's fine. You guys have a good time. And it was a great game. It was. It was. A, that was a great game. Oh, it was fantastic. It absolutely was. That was such a good trip. So I want to share me and Adam from, I think, two years ago. Adam, you and I went to Muirfield to the Memorial Tournament. And Adam soon found out when he went on this trip with me that I have a fear at golf tournaments of getting hit with a golf ball. I'd always be watching golf tournaments on TV, and I would just think it's so stupid how people sitting in the, not the stands, but sitting off the green would get drilled in the head or drilled in the body with his golf ball. I'm like, how does that happen? Well, I soon found out when I went to my first golf tournament how that happens. You see the shot, it goes up in the clouds, you lose the ball, and you're just looking in the clouds, looking in the clouds, and all of a sudden it drops like 10 feet away from you. And you're like, what? What is this? So I told Adam this because the year before, a ball dropped like 10 feet from me. And I told my, my buddy, I'm like, listen, they need to make this like putt-putt where all the balls have a certain color. So when it goes in the clouds, you can still see it, right? And you're not going to be surprised when it drops 10 feet away from you. And don't make every ball white. Make them red and blue and whatever so you can at least see it the whole entire way during the golf tournament well the final round the final hole of the memorial golf tournament a fan off the the side of the green gets drilled got drilled in the head the professional golfer went over like signed his golf glove handed to him apologized that he was sorry and then shot from there and, and won the tournament well in this situation we're on one of the one of the holes and it's adam and i and a bunch of people we're probably what third row i would say in this this group of people and i'm talking out loud unfiltered i should have had a filter that day and hit the shot and i'm like adam i lost it i lost it (laughs) and all of a sudden just loud outburst i didn't yell it but i was loud i'm like heads up loud enough and everybody stepped everybody around (laughs) us three rows everyone drops (laughs) to the ground yeah like you have these senior citizens in the front row 
in these in these like chairs and they dropped on the ground and it's just Adam and I standing there yeah. in the crowd. <laughs> We're the only people standing. <laughs> and Adam looks at me like, are you serious? And he's like, I can't take you anywhere. Like, really? This counts yeah. as elder abuse looking at these folks. <laughs> right. And I totally did not expect that to happen. I'm like, heads up. And then literally uh-huh. everyone around us just drops to the ground. <laughs> like, stop, drop, and roll. Oh, so funny. <laughs> so I learned, yeah, that's that's a good prank to pull at a golf tournament. Just mm-hmm. not those words. You don't use those words at a golf I guess outing. Not. I guess not. Mm-mm. So, Joe, there is a story that you warned us about that we have not heard yet. So this is going to be the very first time we hear this. I'm so, so excited. Can you please tell us a good story, Joe? I'll do my best. So I coach track, and uh, this was a, a really challenging season. Coming off of having a canceled season last year, yes. COVID and everything, lost a lot of key kids. I'm super, super competitive, so I'm really into it. Some people think like, well, it's track. It's not like football or basketball. I'm 100% in. Like You're invested all the time. Yes. 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 I, I don't have that secondary gear. So it's... Uh, Eat, sleep, breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put a lot of time into it. Anyhow, very stressful season. We end up being a lot better than we probably should have been. We get to our league meet. We really, on paper, like don't have a chance to win it. We have a great meet and end up finishing second by five points. Okay. So super, super close. Should have won it, but we way overperformed to get there. But again, very stressful, kind of a disappointment. So the next week is the district meet. So districts, you have Tuesday running prelims, Thursday field events, and then Saturday running finals. So Tuesday, if you're top eight, you make it to Saturday. Okay. So in all of the sprint events, we finish ninth in the four by one. Oh. Ninth in the 300 hurdles. It's like over and over and over again, all these super close finishes. We don't qualify a single kid to Saturday outside of our distance girls. Oh, man. So very, very disappointing. I'm super stressed about it. When that happens, like I'm blaming myself, questioning everything we've done. Did we taper right or not? On and on and on. Thursday goes well. Saturday, we've got the distance events. And if we just have a decent day, I'm thinking like, okay, we're, if we're just on par, we should score about 14, 15 points. Okay. Well, we score one point. <gasps> oh, no. And I have two seniors that have been great distance runners their whole career. Neither of them qualify out to the regional. I'm ticked about it. I'm blaming myself. I felt like I made some really bad choices uh, with some lineup decisions and this and that. So I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. So we still have some girls that are cooling down, whatever, and they're going to like tear down the tent that we took and all this stuff. So I'm like, I grab our medical bag. I grab my personal coaching bag and I'm like, I'm going out to the van. So I drove like the white school transportation van. Okay. Okay. Which you have to be certified for and all this stuff. Congratulations. Good, good work. Thank you. It's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a resume builder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a beeline out into the middle of the Hilliard Derby parking lot, and I've got 10 million things going through my head, and I need to be away from everybody. Well, one of the other coaches came out with me, and he's a pretty laid back, pretty jovial dude, but he is not saying anything, like, which is atypical. Like, he knows, like, do not talk to him right now. Right. Get out, put the two bags down, grab the van keys, hit the unlock for the fob, nothing happens. Again, I've got like 10,000 things going on in my head, so it doesn't even really bother me at first. Hit it again. Nothing happens. Okay, no big deal. Grab the key, put it in the door lock. It doesn't even go halfway in. It's not even close to being right. And I'm like, what the heck? Jim, who's the other coach? Jim, get over here. Give Jim the keys. Jim, try the keys. Uh, uh, Listen, I am livid. Yes, like big time. Jim tries the fob. Jim tries the key in the door lock. Not even close. Hands me back the keys. 
And at this point, I'm like 99 out of 100, okay? Anger level, which on the inside looks horrible, but outside is still fine. But but nothing else can happen <laughs> at this point, or I'm going to lose it. Tipping point. And then this thought hits me. I'm like, somebody in the transportation department of our school made a decision to give us the key fob, the ignition key, and obviously there's a separate door lock key. They don't put it on there. Just, I guess, assuming the fob is always going to work. The battery's never going to die, whatever. And we're going to be stuck an hour away from our place. And when that thought hits my brain, I lose it. I lose it, lose it. I take those keys and spike them on the ground. <laughs> I scream a couple things that I can't say right now on your podcast. <laughs> Turn around. I see our med bags sitting there. I kick the med bag as hard as I can. Like, I thought I broke my toe. <laughs> Like, I'm throwing a tantrum. <laughs> like, and at, at this point, I'm not joking. Like, I literally had zero idea of anything happening in the world around me. I was that enraged. Yeah. I turn around, and there stands all of my runners except for one. And one of our parents, who happens to be the wife of an assistant principal <laughs> at the school that I coach with. And they've witnessed this whole tirade in my inappropriate language. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no way. I go walking over there. Sorry, that was ridiculous. You just saw a four-year-old throwing a temper tantrum, right? Losing it. I apologize. That was insane. Walk back over towards the van. Start getting my thoughts together. Okay, start calling parents. Let's put the equipment on so-and-so's vehicle. Who's driving this kid? Who's driving that kid? Da-da-da. Call my AD. Ticked. Hey, you're not going to believe this, but we don't have this key on the key thing. But da-da-da. I said, maybe we could get a battery, but... I probably just destroyed the key fob anyway because I just spiked it off the ground as hard as possible. Can I just leave this van here if we can get all the kids home and be done with it? And she's like, this is ridiculous. She's mad. She's angry. I'm going to call transportation. I'll take care of this. Leave the van. If you can get the kids home, do it. Get the parents involved. Da, da, da. So now I'm going a million miles an hour, right? Okay. Turn around after I get off the phone with her, talking to everybody, the coaches, the athletes, the parents. Turn around. I'm standing about three feet behind the back of the van, and my phone goes off again, so I'm assuming it's my AD. Reach my hand down into my pocket to get the phone, and oh, no. then I am froze. I'm frozen. I'm, I, I, I cannot move. I literally couldn't move for like 20 seconds, and I'm like, no way. Like, I know what this means like for the rest of my life. Like, this is unbelievable. There's the van keys in my right pocket. Sitting on the ground about six feet away are my personal keys. <gasps> They're that similar? That I was, no. <laughs> I was so distracted. I was so angry. I was so tied up into my own thoughts about everything and the stress of it. So everybody saw me going like a million miles an hour and talking and making all these directions. And now I'm not speaking and I'm not moving. And so now they all like freeze also. And they're looking at me like. Coach is having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, probably. And I'm like, okay, we're just going to go really slow tear off the band-aid because you deserve it so i pull the keys out of my pocket as slow as possible raise them all the way up in the air above my head and i just stand there and i got my head down and i just wait for about three or four seconds hit the unlock lights latches everybody starts dying laughing except one dude <laughs> So this is an all-timer, right? You never live this down. So the following Monday, I get a gift of some fresh carabiners to put my keys on for my coaching staff. <laughs> I get some, I get a pl plastic toddler keys. Lanyard. Uh, 
A chain. I, 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 walk, <laughs> I go to apologize to my AD that Monday after practice. As I'm walking up, her she has her own secretary, like an athletic director's secretary. She's walking out. I know her very well. She sees me. We don't exchange a single word, and she starts just dying laughing. Oh. <laughs> Talk to the AD. Apologize. Everything. She's she gets it. She's very gracious about it. I know I'm never going to. Fa- Apparently, there is still waiting on me a, some sort of gift in the transportation department <laughs> for the next time that I have to walk in there. <laughs> Because they've all heard the story. Oh, Joe. Yeah, man. I was thinking like a Chevy Chase Christmas vacation losing it moment. With in the front reindeer. Of everybody. Yes, it was just yes. like that. The Santa Kicking, Claus. Punching, punching the reindeer, going down the line. <laughs> we have all been to that level, Joe, but oh, it's the worst feeling. Adam, Joe, thank you. We're going to continue this conversation on the next episode. For episode 81, they're back, guys. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff. If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcast. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence. Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends. 